0: Listen to this podcast right now! Do you want to hear a fucking podcast about anything and everything? Like movies, music, television, and more? Oh my god. Well, you've come to the right place. Subscribe to Journey into Comics Network, (laughs) and you get Podcastrophy. Hosted by me, Dick. Why not throw a couple bucks to the Patreon? It's your choice. Yeah. This is a Podcastrophy. That sounds so awesome. The following is a Journey to Comics Network production. For a nicer guy, it couldn't happen. I'm the man of the hour, the man with the power. Diamonds are forever. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. And what you gonna do, Andre? History beckons the macho man. Yeah, the best there is, the best there was. Austin, 316, said I just whipped your ass. Some man! Champion is champion! Do I have everybody's attention now? Yeah. 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 What's up ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Journey Into Wrestling Season 2 Episode 19. This is our season finale. I am your host Nate. And once again, I'm all by my lonesome. If you listened on a journey into comics this week, you have heard the news by now that Brando is no longer a part of our network, or at least he is taking a hiatus for the time being. So, we will hopefully see him down the road, but we will see where that goes. Anyways, let's get into it today because we have so much wrestling stuff to talk about since the last time I was here for you folks, and there's a lot of things to kind of break down. So, let's just get right into it. Obviously, we were on the heels two days away at the last episode before the Greatest Royal Rumble. That event has now happened, so we're going to go through it and talk about kind of some of the things that happened there important stuff with the matches and go over the card and whatnot. We'll just start at the top here. John Cena and Triple H kicking the show off, um, old school. You know, I mean, they they wrestled how they used to wrestle, and it was a physical match. They went almost sixteen minutes. It was good. It was John's first appearance at Mania, losing to Undertaker. It was Triple H's first appearance since he and Stephanie lost to kurt angle and miss ronda browsey so overall i thought this match was really good they 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 went back and forth for a while you know uh, h was very aggressive at times cena was typical cena with the comfort behind kid mentality i loved it um but we're just going to kind of jump right into the next match of the card here which was cedric alexander defeating callisto for the cruiserweight title cedric alexander may- retains you know uh It was a decent match, but again, it didn't really highlight these guys as well as they could have. And it could have been a whole lot better, but uh, I digress. Anyways, during the Greatest Royal Rumble, we had the Bray Wyatt-Matt Hardy match versus Sheamus and Cesaro The Bar, who are now on SmackDown for the vacant Raw Tag Team titles vacated by Mr. Braun Strowman. So, uh, no surprise here, but Bray and Matt Hardy actually win. And, uh, their conquest, their expedition of gold has been, uh, successfully completed and now they're on top. And I love that because it gives them an opportunity to run with the ball and do something a little bit different. Bray has kind of been stuck in that second gear since he was champ and then no more champ. Like it just seems like he had an opportunity to, to go back to the being at the top of the, of the food chain and all of this, and they never gave him another opportunity. So He's kind of stagnated a little bit, so Matt Hardy working with him, I think, has been very good. It's it's a, definitely a great, um, you know, it's definitely a great thing to see a younger talent working with someone who's kind of, you know, been around and been in the game, and they're creating something new and unique, and it's really fun. I mean, I really do like the Woken universe that they have going on there. Moving on, speaking of Hardys, Jeff Hardy defeats Gender Mahal uh, to retain his U.S. Championship again. No real surprise here. Gender was drafted to Raw. Jeff on SmackDown. That's a theme you're gonna kinda get all night, and it's kind of the thing that I'm a little bit frustrated about. But we'll get into that in a minute, because after I break down the card, I'm gonna actually kinda talk about some of the the fallout from all of this. So Jeff in a interesting match, but I, I wanna there's there's one specific spot I need to talk about within this match. Honestly, if I was the WWE, I might have fired Gender Mahal over this because it was Two things. One, it was dangerous for one of our superstars, Jeff Hardy. And two, it was foolish because you just looked awful on live TV and you can't miss it. Okay? So, check it out. Uh, Jeff does that move where he goes up the top rope. Like, he he runs up the top rope from inside the ring and then does the, like, the, I don't know, like, 450 backflip thingamabob. You know, where he kind of, like, sits on his ass or whatever, hits him with the back. Well, he went to do that. Gender wasn't in position at all, so Jeff landed on nothing. So he pretty much just took the hard bump with nothing to break his fall. Okay, so that's one ouch that sucks. Secondly, after he landed on the mat, Gender Mahal threw himself down like there, like he was taking a bump, and it looked bad. It looked absolutely, I mean, pitiful. It was it was garbage. It was hot, hot fucking garbage. I'm shocked that he still has a job but i digress that's um that's for them to decide not me moving on was another again talking about thematics all night bludgeon brothers defeating the usos tag team title for smack team smackdown tag titles right so the bludgeon brothers defeating the usos for smackdown's tag titles and i tell you uh, brutal beatdown, just typical kind of as you expected it to be, there was a little bit of time there where you thought the Usos might have pulled it out, but of course they didn't, because that's just the way it goes, Um, decent match, uh, moving on to one of the better matches of the night, which again, better match, still kind of know the outcome, or at least you mostly knew the outcome, and man, they, they kind of Ooh, they tricked us on this one a little bit because I was I was hyped for the end of this match for sure. So Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor versus Samoa Joe versus the Miz in a ladder match for the IC title. Second longest match of the night that was in regular competition that wasn't the uh you know the 50 man thing at the end here, which we'll get to. So this ladder match, right? Uh those four competitors brought it, and it was a brutal battle lots of fucking heavy hitting and crazy spots all across the board if you haven't seen it yet go check the greatest rumble out on the network you'll be very very happy not on our network but on the wwe network uh but back to it seth rollins gets the win here in this ladder match in a crazy thing you were certain and i mean i was certain finn balor had this match And then Seth Rollins did this fucking springboard thing from the outside onto the middle top part of the ladder and then went right up and boom, grabbed the belt. It was so well done. It was so cleverly done. I I really loved it. I definitely popped. So here's, I know what they're doing. Let's let's be clear right now. This match that we're getting ready to get into, they're building a long-term story that I don't think we're going to get a full payoff for a while. And I think that's the point. And I think that that is going to be what makes this feud something that in years to come, we're still discussing. Because while these two competitors had a, a, a great match, phenomenal match at Wrestle Kingdom 10, um, they had a match at WrestleMania 12. And it wasn't the same. And it was a clear-cut winner. And then Shinsuke had the heel turn. So now it's AJ defending his title in the rematch versus Shinsuke. And they fight to a double countout. And the crowd was just like, oh, okay. And at this point, I was kind of a little bit upset because you're in a new country, right? You're in Saudi Arabia, and I'm not saying they're a new country, but I mean you're in a new setting for this country where they're a pay-per-view essentially. And I thought, man, what a clever thing to do. Hold off anointing somebody at your WrestleMania in favor of doing it at the greatest rumble and like really make that event something that was the greatest rumble. It was the greatest thing you could remember because it was a holy shit. This actually happened. I can't believe it happened. However, the the double count out for this match was just kind of. It was a little bit frustrating because, honestly, the reason I think it's so frustrating is these two competitors are so great, and I think that people really want to see Nakamura get the like get the title. If Shinsuke gets the title right, and then AJ has to fight him for it, and then AJ wins the title back and then there's a rematch, and Shinsuke wins it back, and then AJ wins it back, and they go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. It tells you that those two dudes are the top dudes, and they are warring like Austin in The Rock, or they're warring like Triple H in The Rock. I mean, they're warring like HBK and Shawn Michaels in, 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 in history, you know, going on to make these legendary things. But here, you know, you know, you have uh, a little bit of just a confusing moment with the double count out, but let's move on. Uh, Overall, decent match, but the countout is my my thing I don't get. Up next, we see him for the first time since WrestleMania. The Undertaker returns to defeat Rusev Day. It's Rusev Day! Okay, anyways, so uh, Aiden English is kind of awesome. I used to not really like him when he was a part of the VOD Villains, but he's growing on me, that's for sure. Undertaker soundly defeats these two, and I say these two because Aiden English definitely got involved a little bit here, but both of them got thrown into the casket. Cleverly done. Taker looks like a badass in this match. Yeah, I-, I was very happy with this match. We'll get on to the match that a lot of people are talking about, and there's a lot of controversy, and WWE has had to play backpedal, and there have been a lot of weird fucking things that have come out of this, and. It also makes me at the point where we're going to have to talk about a problem the WWE actually has uh, long-term with something they've created that I don't think they meant to. All right, so let's get to it. Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns, steel cage match, universal title on the line. Brutal battle, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth match. Boom, boom, boom. Big, big, big finishers. Lots of stuff going on. F5 here, spear there, but here we go. Boom, Roman Reigns spears Lesnar through the cage to the outside, which he spiked himself. Roman is so lucky he's not dead or in in really bad shape injury-wise because his feet caught the rope, and he spiked straight into the fucking ground with his head. It was brutal, and his shoulder too, like into into Lesnar's gut kind of. But okay, so here's the weird thing. Lesnar's back hits, feet still not touching. His back is on the steel cage. His feet are in the air like... I don't know, uh, like a baby on its back, right? When Reigns falls down and spikes himself, he falls to the left immediately and just to his side where both of his feet do in fact touch the floor. And I went, holy fuck, that's brilliant. You saved and made Brock look like a fucking badass because he took that hardcore fucking spear but then they awarded the match to Lesnar and not Reigns, which was what I thought they were going to do. Anoint him in a different country. We were talking about that a huge moment for the WWE there to really expand itself and make a you know a shocking moment, right? But they did not do that. The referee Chad Patton, I do believe, said that uh, Lesnar was the winner. Lesnar was crowned the winner. We move on to the Braun, uh to the uh, to the Braun Strowman. It was pretty much the Braun Strowman show, but it really wasn't. We're going to talk about whose show it was, which was the greatest Royal Rumble 50-man. The 50-man Royal Rumble to, to determine, I guess you got a belt and a trophy, which was pretty cool here. All right, we're going to go down the stats list here. I'm going to just list off all the competitors. Boom, 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 boom. And then I'm, we're going to go back and talk about some of the ones that actually like stood out. So, entry number one, Daniel Bryan. Number two, Dolph Ziggler. Number three, Sin Cara. Number 4 Curtis Axel, number 5 Mark Henry, number 6 Mark Mike Kanellis, number 7 Hiromi Hiroki Sumi He's a free agent uh, and big dude. Um, number eight, Victor from The Ascension. Number nine, Kofi Kingston. Number 10, Tony Neese, Number 11, Dash Wilder. Number 12, and a very amazing and hilarious surprise, Hornswoggle. Number 13, Primo Colon. Number 14, Xavier Woods. 15, Bo Dallas. 16, it's true, it's damn true with Kurt Angle. 17, Scott Dawson. 18, Gold Dust. 19, Connor. 20, Elias. 21, Luke Gallows, 22, Rhino, then 23, Drew Gulak, uh, 24, coming up from NXT, part of the Wrecking Crew, I think, uh, Tucker Knight, uh, 25, Bobby Roode, the Glorious One, 26, Fandango, 27, Chad Gable, 28, making his return to the WWE, which was a surprise, not a surprise, I guess you'd say, because they had said he was going to be there, which, so you knew at some point he'd show up, Rey Mysterio Jr., uh 29 Mojo Raleigh 30 Tyler Breeze 31 Big E 32 Carl Anderson 33 Apollo Cruz 34 Roderick Strong from NXT which was awesome uh, 35 Randy Orton 36 Heath Slater 37 from NXT Babatunda 38 was Baron Corbin 39 with we'll talk about it folks 39's entrance was maybe one of the best entrances in Royal Rumble history with Titus O'Neil 40 was Dan Matha coming up from NXT 41 was the man himself Braun Strowman 42 was the, the perfect 10, Ty Dillinger. 43 was the perfect loser, Kurt Hawkins. 44, the returning Bobby Lashley. 45, free agent, uh, the great Khali. 46, KO Mania himself, Kevin Owens. 47, Shane O'Mac, Shane McMahon. 48, Shelton Benjamin. 49, Big Cass. And 50, Chris Jericho. All right, so let's go over a couple things. First of all, Chris Jericho entering at 50 was kind of sucky. I wanted to see him in there tangling up with some of these dudes and they protected him till the end and put him at the end and didn't really have him do much. Uh, Let's go back here a little bit. We're going to talk about Titus O'Neill real quick, folks, because if you haven't seen it yet, it was maybe one of the funniest moments coming out of the greatest Royal Rumble. Titus O'Neill, big dude, running, 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 and he tripped, which at first I did not see the trip. I just saw him go flying. And then under the ring apron, like perfectly, like he dove under the ring apron. It was crazy. I was like, wow, why did he do that? Is he going to get a weapon or something? Like I didn't quite get it. And then they show the replay and he fucking tripped and flew. It's so gloriously done. He tripped and flew under the ring apron like flawlessly. It was, you couldn't have planned it better. It was absolutely hilarious. Uh, Let's get back here a little bit because I also want to talk about the number one entrant. Daniel Bryan, who created a new category for himself with the longest time in a Rumble. Of course, this being a bigger Rumble, he kind of has a little bit of an exception. But the fact that he was in there at number one and lasted until number 49 big cast came out there. um, That's crazy. He was in there for an hour, 16 minutes, and 5 seconds. And that record beats the previous record held by Rey Mysterio uh, 12 years prior. Uh, who lasted one hour, two minutes, and 12 seconds in a rumble. So you know uh, this was one of those shows where there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, Braun Strowman wins the match. Obviously, I want to I want to discuss that. Braun Strowman had 13 eliminations, which maybe ties him. Oh no! It actually he broke Roman's record um, for most eliminations. So Braun now has the most eliminations and also is the first greatest Rumble winner, and he's got that title, which we haven't seen since he won it. But but I digress. Don't need him to carry that belt. It's not that big a deal. This card was stacked. There's a lot of matches going on. There's a lot of possibilities in these matches, and then everything was cookie-cutter. No title changes, except for the Wyatt Hardy era getting anointed Raw Tag Team Champions. Everything else was pretty much as you could expect. Sans the Brock Lesnar match, I was pretty certain that Roman was going to have his opportunity, and technically he does win, Um, even though I'm not a big fan of uh, Roman Reigns. It still seemed like it was something that could be done and and would make sense, so I was giving them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt there. Speaking of John Cena, who opened up that match at uh, the Greatest Royal Rumble, um, he's got a new look and he looks like jersey mike i guess is the way i'd say it he's got like hair all around his head he's not like you know clean shaven around the better part of it or at least tight cut around the top uh, you know like that military cut that he's been doing for a long time his hair's just grown out on all sides and he's starting to sport a little bit of a black gruff so maybe we have the um the makings of hollywood john cena you know dandy cena or something you know um but let's see here. We've got, uh, that's all we got for John Cena there. Just that weird look. That was just something I want to talk about because who knows? Maybe we do have a, um, I just, I. it's possible that we have something different on the horizon for John Cena. We'll have to see. So just a few short days ago, um, by the time you listeners are listening, this has been three short days ago. We're going to get into the uh the backlash pay-per-view next that just recently happened um pre-show matches let's see I actually didn't watch the pre-show so Bailey took on Ruby Riot uh Riot wins the match um then we got into the actual event and let's actually get into this here so Seth Rollins defeats The Miz to retain his IC title they were a great match probably the best match on the card it could very well be four four and a half star match maybe one of the best matches of the year so far I don't want to overhype it but it was really well done lots of back and forths lots of moments where you were definitely uncertain when something was going to break out and I was always going man like oh my god they're going to give it to Miz and he's going to be tied with Jericho's record that's excellent you know and then on the flip I was like oh my god they're not going to do it was just back and forth back and forth back and forth but of course Seth Rollins wins guys and he knew that he would, so Seth wins, retains the IC title. He's on a roll, and then let's start the maybe the worst card ever. Let's just say that we'll start here. All right, Nia Jax defeats Alexa Bliss in a match where Alexa was aggressive the entire match, um, and then Nia wins, which everybody wanted to see Nia beat the shit out of Alexa. So then Nia barely wins, making her look like a weak champion. And then you have her cut the worst. And I listen to me, the worst anti-bullying promo I have ever heard. It was it was poorly done. It was poorly timed. It was you could tell it was super scripted. It sounded and this is one thing that bothers me in wrestling. Sometimes your wrestlers shouldn't sound like they are programmed in a video game. And that's what it seemed like. It seemed like when she was talking about not letting bullies affect people and stuff that uh, Nia Jax was robotic as fuck. And I'm not sure what's up with that. I I just wasn't a fan. Up next is a pretty boring Jeff Hardy versus Randy Orton match. It seemed to kind of get stuck in that TV mode gear. Like they didn't bring it up to we're on a pay-per-view level. These guys have had so many matches against each other throughout history too. It's kind of like working with someone you've worked with a million times and if you don't have inspiration for how to refresh that or how to be amazing or creative or different you know um this is kind of what you're going to end up getting which is a very boring match up next we have db versus big cass which okay let me think about this for a second how do i want to say this daniel bryan has been back They had him look like a fucking beast at the Greatest Royal Rumble. By all rights, he should have won. It's cool that Braun won. I get that. I appreciate Braun winning. Don't get me wrong. However, I think it should have been DB's time, and that would have been a cool give him the ball and let him run with it type thing, right? Maybe they're stalling because they really want the AJ Shinsuke feud to go for a while. We're going to get to that in a minute. So DB defeating Big Cass, it was just a uh, you know, an okay match. That's what we're going to say. It was okay. He defeats him by submission and put him in the yes lock and uh that's all I can really say about that. Big Cass tapped pretty quick for being a big dude. Uh, I guess he can't take the uh the holds. Speaking of Big Cass, his ex-girlfriend Carmella up next on this card defending her women's title against Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair, by the way, I don't know if you guys remember this Back at WrestleMania, she ended Asuka's streak. The very next Tuesday on SmackDown, Carmella cashed in after a beatdown from the iconic duo on Charlotte Flair. So Carmella could win the title. So you think, oh, well, of course, this will be the match where the title turns. Charlotte will be fair, fair. She'll show Carmella what's up. She'll win the championship. Carmella will still get her title defense or still get her rematch. She'll be able to be like, hey, get a rematch. Maybe some bogus shit happens again. Carmella wins again. And then you kind of trade the title. Interesting way to go, I think. Not the way WWE goes. Charlotte kind of was back and forth and dominated the majority of the match here. Then she went to do some move off the top rope, allegedly tweaked her knee. I did air quotes there. You guys can't see that. Tweaked her knee. And then Carmella won with a quick one, two, three roll up. Forgive my yawns. That's totally unintentional. I um probably need to breathe more. And there's also a loud-ass motorcycle outside. Roar, roar. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So anyways, up next is a real stinker of the night. Okay, so you ready for this? AJ Styles defending his title against Shinsuke Nakamura. I feel like I just said that. Now in a no-disqualification match, no DQ, for the WWE Championship. Match goes 21 minutes and ends in a ball-busting bit where they both pass out and end the match in a no contest to once again make it go a little bit further. And then now you go, oh, well, fine. Since it's it's been unfair and this is not a conclusion to the match, let's do AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura in a last-man-standing match because that's what they're going to do. And that'll probably be at Money in the Bank, I would guess. Uh, Chicago's the crowd to anoint Shinsuke, let me tell you. We'll get into that in a bit. Up next is the most pointless match. Well, okay, one of the most pointless matches of the night as Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley defeat KO and Sami Zayn in a literal rematch from Monday Night Raw a couple days prior, like a week prior. What? Who is... Why would you... Whoever's booking this is doing a very bad job. And we're going to get into that in a second, too, because Nate's going to do some breakdown fantasy booking here in a minute before we move into our next stuff. So, Braun and Lashley defeat KO and Sami Zayn. Blah. You guys got to think. Okay, also, one thing to note, they were in, like, I do believe New York or New Jersey. Let's see. They were in Newark, New Jersey, okay? Not New York or New Jersey. Newark, New Jersey, right? So they're in New York, <laughs> God damn it, I did it again, Newark, New Jersey, where wrestling fans are brutal, and guess what, guess what happened yet again, they put Roman last in a stinker of a match versus Samoa Joe, who, you know, starts the match off strong, beats the shit out of Roman before the match even gets going, and you're like, oh, here we go, Samoa Joe's gonna win this match, it's gonna be badass, guess what, that's not the case, Roman Reigns fucking wins, lame, the crowd booed, guess what also happened, the camera dudes accidentally caught fans leaving the arena as soon as the decision had been finished, like as soon as the 1-2-3 happened when they shot to the crowd, it wasn't fans cheering for Roman winning the match, it was literally people like, we gotta fucking leave, this is stupid, we need to get the fuck out of here. So, I'm not really cool with this card, as you guys can tell. I would honestly say this could be one of the worst pay per views of all time. It sucks. It's not well done. It's not well put together. You had a five star match start the show. So, let's continue on here. Back to what I was going to say. Oh, let's talk about it. Let's talk about this card and what I would have done differently. Okay. Just across the board, here are some thoughts. Okay. So, first of all, the Seth Rollins Miz match. You want that to probably be your second-to-last match of the night, all right? So put that there. In that match, you do everything exactly how you did. That match is perfect, but I just want it to be towards the end of the card. I think that's a good thing, okay? Start to show off with Nia versus Alexa. Have Alexa run away from Nia the majority of the match, trying to avoid her. And when Nia finally gets her hands on her, she beats the ever-living shit out of her and then leaves the ring with a little bit of attitude. Not this chippy, happy, dapper, I'm the women's champ, yay, everything's happy, woo Like, you gotta have some fucking lady balls, man. Like, come on, Nia Jax, you gotta get that shit together. And this overly scripted be-a-star shit Throw that shit out the window. It's not working. It's not helping your product and it's not selling me. It's boring me to fucking tears. It's boring your audience to fucking tears. They don't care to hear it. They don't care to hear it. That's what they're going to tell you every time. Let's move on to the Jeff Hardy and Randy Orton match. I actually think this could have been a match where US Championship should have changed hands. If any if any titles changing hands on this card, it should be the US title. Oh, but Jeff just won the title. Why would you do that? That's bullshit. Yeah, because then Jeff has to fight Randy in a rematch. Maybe the next night on SmackDown, maybe Tuesday on SmackDown. They go head-to-head, and then Jeff rewins it back. It gives that some extra power. It gives the United States title now some extra pop. Because I feel like the United States title is the weakest of the four titles. Of course, you can't really count the Universal title because you never fucking see it. We'll get there in a second. The Daniel Bryan big cast match, I like, except for I think I would have loved to have seen Daniel be a little bit more physical. I think he it would have been awesome if it was a little bit more, I guess I just wanted DB to kind of be, and he's never going to be who he was as a wrestler before because he's got to change his style and stuff, I get that. But overall, you know, he's got to go in there and really make a statement. And, you know, oh, he beat him by submission, that's cool, but then, like, it doesn't really do much because Big Cass is still just like, I just don't get it, this is a dumb feud, put DB in there with somebody who can wrestle, not fucking Big Cass who you're trying to get over as a bad guy. Like, oh, well, Daniel Bryan's our best face guy, so let's put him up against this guy who people are naturally going to not like because he's up against DB and really make a heel out of him and really make give him some heat. Unfortunately, it's not working. I, big Cass is not sold on me as a heel. I don't. I'm not in it. I'm not on it. I don't like the. He was good with Enzo because Enzo was the mouthpiece, and now Big Cass is just another big dude, and it's fucking boring. I'm over it already. Get that shit off my TV. I don't want it. Let's talk about this Carmella Charlotte match again. Like I said earlier, I think you maybe have Charlotte come in here win it clean is like, oh, that's bullshit. I want to fight you for a rematch. Shenanigans. She wins the match back. And they trade off here. But I digress. That's not that big of an issue. I would have put... Okay, so then let's also talk about this. Carmella, Charlotte match. If Charlotte's winning, I put her match right after the Rollins-Miz match. Okay? Then I would have put... <clears throat> I would have booked a different match here. Okay? So Braun Strowman it would have been a triple threat, Braun, Roman, and Samoa. Okay? Then you would have had Bobby Lashley in a two-on-one handicap match against KO and Sami Zayn. You put that match in the middle of the card somewhere, and then Roman and Samoa Joe and uh, Braun Strowman can really do stuff because those three had an amazing fatal four-way match with Brock Lesnar last year. Get rid of Lesnar from that and just have them go head-to-head-to-head to head to head again, because I think they had one time where they haven't had a triple threat before, but have that happen one more time, but put some actual weight. Okay, here's the deal. We fucked up with the whole cage thing that happened at Greatest Rumble, Roman. We're sorry. Joe, you are next in line, technically, because you almost beat Lesnar, and we're running out of people to put in Lesnar's path, so we've got to come up with something. Oh, also Braun Strowman, you just won the greatest Royal Rumble. Let's give you some extra fucking momentum. Put you in a match with Roman and Samoa where you guys can just carry the show and put on a great performance, okay? Ultimately, I would have had Samoa Joe win this match. I would have then made it to where Roman got traded to SmackDown. And then things are changing yet again. Or, what I would have had happen is I would have had Samoa Joe get KO'd by uh, Braun only for Braun to get like last second taken out by Reigns who then would get a luck pin and then you can kind of keep it and it's a little bit easier and more wrestling worthy I guess because you know some people that's too fanciful you can't come up with fanciful shit in wrestling too many people can't handle it you can't think outside the box let's go to this final match this is what I would have would have closed the night with AJ versus Shinsuke for the WWE Championship in an ODQ match. I would have had... Oh, speaking of which, actually, maybe that's the way you do it. Maybe for the triple threat, Roman versus Samoa versus Braun, maybe... Oh, that's actually a fucking cool idea. Let's go back. Let's revisit that real quick before I move on to this final match that I want to talk about how I would have done. So with the Roman Reigns-Samoa braun Strowman match that did not happen... I wish it would have, but it did not happen at Backlash. I would have had uh, all three of those dudes going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until Lesnar's music hits. Lesnar comes out, wreaks havoc on all three dudes. Maybe one dude is standing. He takes him out and then goes and attacks the other two dudes. Who knows? Ultimately, though, he he would have picked Roman up and put him on Braun or put him on Joe and made him win. Because, well, we'll talk about it here in a minute because who knows what's happening in the WWE universe with everything. And let's actually talk a little bit here. So, backlash, stinker of a card, did not like it, was not a fan. We're out of there. Okay. Before we move on into the most recent stuff that happened here uh, across the WWE and like the network and stuff, you know, I do also like to cover some ROH stuff, love covering some New Japan stuff, Bullet Club news, anything I can. Uh, being the elite went off the air. They had like the finale and Marty Skrull was signed to a contract for like five or six million dollars to, to do some indie music or pop music shit or whatever. And, uh, you know, Cody is in this like mass delirium that he's in control of the bullet club, but it doesn't seem that way. Hangman page has got wiener problems across the board, Um, everything seeming in disarray, the Bullet Club and all in all you know, falling apart, Kenny Omega not returning the Bucks calls. So it was like, well, what's going to happen? And they did this like joking tease with a table read. So they're kind of spoofing themselves actually because like they do consider the the script a little bit, but I'm sure they mostly freestyle their stuff. But they're like, okay, well, where do we want the story to go? How do we want these guys to evolve? And they just let everybody riff. It shows how good they are if they do that. So there's a little table read a video that was a couple minutes long, and it was a little bit wonky and strange and whatnot, and then you're not really sure what's going on. But then they actually premiered Being the Elite episode 101, which was uh, called Premiere. Flip Gordon essentially calling out the Bucks for being broke because their merchandise sales have gone down the shitter since the show was off the air for its whole three weeks or whatever. Obviously, they want to get geared up here with... um, an episode actually probably being filmed here May 13th when they do their, um, they're doing a signing thing at the, uh, pro wrestling tees in Chicago. I'm actually going to try to go to that probably relatively early. Cause who knows, you know, you never know what, what may happen. Uh, so, Yeah, man, uh, super cool here to see the elite back, and Cody's jokingly going to run for office in Texas in 2020, and Hangman Page makes the joke, well, the big red machine can do it, because I don't know if you guys have heard this little crossover news. Kane actually won, Glenn Jacobs, who is Kane, won his primary uh, to run for Republican mayor, I think, of Knox, Tennessee. So he's going to be on the ballot this November to be elected and it's a red state, so it's highly plausible that Kane will be the big red machine in the big red state, running a big red show in Knox, Tennessee, we'll see how that goes, but back to the elite, Um uh, Marty is not really back, I mean, they're just like, everything is in flux and I love it, you know, Um uh, Kenny Omega got the mysterious package from the Bucks at the end there, uh, of course, let's talk about the Super Junior Tournament that's going to be happening in New Japan. That's from May 18th until June 4th. Uh, Kushida won last year's tournament, defeating Will Ospreay in the finals. Um, so this is what the blocks look like here. Uh, let's see. It looks like Block A is Will Ospreay, Taji Ishimori, Tiger Mask, ACH, Bushi, uh, Yoshinobi, Kenamaru, Yo... Flip Gordon. And then Block B is Kushida, Chris Sabin, Raizuke Takaguchi, Hiromi Takashida, or Ta- Hirom- Hiromu Tanahashi. Takahashi. I fuck that up every time. El Desperado, Marty Skrull Show, and Dragon Lee. Uh, Dominion's going to be held June 9th. That's coming up. We will actually not be on the air to cover this stuff for a while, folks. So unless we do a special, you may hear that on the Patreon, which you can go to Journey in the Comics uh, Patreon. Give us a buck for early access or 3 bucks for that exclusive content I was just talking about where we just give bonus stuff that we don't do on the main feed here. Also, considering this show is on a um, a bit of a season finale, uh, much like being the Elite, we're going on a little bit of a season finale to get our stuff in order. Interesting how that's all going to work out. So anyways, back to New Japan Dominion happening on June 9th. Here's the card that has been released so far. Rey Mysterio versus the elusive TBA TBD Yoga has returned. Rey Mysterio is fighting TBD again. Uh, Hiroki Goto, Goto is f- uh, the champion versus Michael Elgin versus Taichi for the never open weight championship. Evil versus Sonata are the or Evil and Sonata are the champions versus the Young Bucks for the IWGP tag team titles. Uh, Tetsuya Naito versus Chris Jericho for the IWGP IC title. So, Naito Jericho, that's badass. Um, Cause uh, And then Okada versus Kenny Omega in a two out of three falls. No time limit match for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. These two have put on some of the most spectacular matches in wrestling history. Okada Omega, one and two. I mean, one specifically, man. Um, amazing. So to have these guys in another one, it's gonna be great. I can't actually wait to see New Japan uh Pro Wrestling's Dominion on June 9th, except for I'll be at a show I perform in band, so I won't be able to see that until probably the tenth. But I digress. Uh speaking of Rey Mysterio, he 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 had some comments to say about uh about returning to uh, you know, New Japan, which was uncertain if he would. But it says, Osaka, I will see you on Saturday, June 9th at Osaka, Joe Hall. Hashtag NJ Dominion for the NJWP 1972. Hashtag Booyaka619. Ray Mysterio tweeting that out today. So pretty cool. Oh, the Ring of Honor next big tour has been announced. Starts in Lowell, Mass. And then they've got shows um, all the way through to May 13th in Chicago, Illinois. That's this next weekend. Um, Trying to look here to see what's actually happening on this card. Uh, Man, big old match where it's pretty much the Bullet Club versus Busha, Evil, Sonata, uh, Takahashi, and then Naito. Interesting. Versus Cody, Hangman, Marty, and the Young Bucks. Uh, Silas Young versus Austin Aries. Uh, Sakai. Versus Jenny Rose, Jay Lethal versus Chucky T, Kelly Klein versus diona Purrazzo, the Briscoes versus Show and Yo for the ROH World Tag Team Titles, Jonathan Gresham versus Flip Gordon, the Dogs versus Cheeseburger and Jushin Thunder Liger and Tenille Dashwood AKA Emma versus Karen Q. Oh, cool! I I love that. Sh- um, ROH is badass. I'm hoping to actually catch some live shows because I've never actually been to a live ROH event, so we'll see if that happens. Speaking of ROH, TNA, anything that's not WWE, let's get into something before we go back to the more more current events that have been happening at WWE because I actually want to notice that, okay, it seems that we are in a new era of wrestling, and what I mean by that is it kind of seems to me That the powers that be at Impact have contacted the powers that be at WWE and said, look, it's not working for us to hate you and hate each other and act like we don't exist. And we have a lot of footage from your dude's stuff that you would probably love to use and can talk about. And, you know, the Hardys are a big fixture in the WWE's history. They were started in the WWE, for God's sakes, you know. Uh, Why don't we have a working relationship? And it seems that we are actually in a part now where that is the case. And why do I say that? Well, because uh, there's a Table for Three thing. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the Table for Three. It's, uh, I don't know, it's one of the shows that are on the network, but they all sit, like three people sit down at dinner talking and they tell stories about their times together and whatnot on the road. It's pretty interesting. The season premiere just premiered this past week. It had Kurt, AJ, and Shane McMahon. I haven't yet watched it. I'm actually probably going to do that as soon as I'm wrapped up here. Uh, they actually had multiple, like, they had footage for matches between those two. And during TNA's time, plus plugs for Impact Wrestling and the Global Wrestling Network app, and they've been plugging Impact and GWN a lot this year, included on the Hardy Boys deletion footage uh, that was used for their most recent DVD. So it's pretty interesting to just see that that's a possibility because it's like, maybe this can change and now we can have a new thing where some guys can be territorial workers and you can, you know, how cool would it be to send some of these mid-card guys in WWE down to do something different and then at the same time bring up somebody to try out on the main roster and get new perspectives and just shake the board up, do it like it used to be and and, and make wrestling for the wrestling fans again. I think that's one thing that's been lost in all of this. It was like the Monday Night Wars happened and it was who could actually hold the attention of the wrestling fans and how fucked up can we be. You know it's really weird and interesting to note too is like in the Attitude Era and shit, it was so popular because it was edgy. It wasn't about the wrestling, it was about almost showing titties and almost showing dick and you know, chopping off peepees and fucking crazy shit that you don't ever see, sacrifices and fucking crucifixions on big Undertaker cross type deals, you know? Like... That's why people were drawn to that era, and I just, I think that we're in a different place now, and do, do I think that, you know, I don't know, do I personally think, let me try to word this right, do I personally believe that wrestling now could sustain if it went edgy? No. No. It couldn't because one time pushing the bounds wrong and you would piss off the whole group of people and all these social justice warriors and all these people behind keyboards that are just telling the world hey man um I believe this fact but I haven't really looked up this fact I don't know shit about shit and I only you know saw this on something I didn't snopes it oh the article's not real oh I'll try to find another article that's real but that's another lie and it goes into another web of lies and you know and and then you got motherfuckers like Alex Jones turning the fucking people dumb. You know, he's talking about turning the frog gay. He turning the people dumb. He's making people stupid because they're believing his stupidness, you know. But I, that's not what the place for here because I don't want to get into all that. Back to wrestling, right? So let's go to Monday Night Raw. Here we just had, um, of course, I'm recording this on Tuesday. So you're probably not going to get a recap for Tuesday Night Smackdown. Unless I do some special footage. Who knows? We'll, we'll see if that happens. But anyways, uh, Strowman versus KO. Qualifying match for Money in the Bank. Obviously, Strowman wins. Quick match. Not bad. Uh, no Way Jose and Titus Worldwide versus Baron Corbin in the Revival. Corbin in the Revival win. Of course, they're going to win. You know, that's just... That's just how it is. Titus Worldwide getting the SmackDown. Ember Moon qualifying for the Women's Money in the Bank match in a triple threat match versus Sasha Banks and Ruby Riot. Any one of those three could have gotten that match. Uh, cool to see Ember Moon get kind of thrust into the spotlight right away. I feel like they're lining her up to take Naya's title or lining her up to be the next in secession to hold the title for a long time. Time because I don't know that is staying over with fans, and I think that her getting forced to do the anti bullying stuff is hurting her, anyways. Uh, what's up with Bobby Lashley? Why are they like they're trying to hype him, and it's just weird? He, he's just weird. It's an odd interview, and Lashley like hyping how much he loves his sisters, and I get that that's great, but it's just it's still weird, you know. Um, Gender versus Chad Gable. This is, I think, qual. That I don't think this is qualifying. I think, oh, this isn't qualifying. But Gender wins uh, the match. Uh, kind of getting a uh, foot back from Chad Gable, who beat him a couple weeks ago, I think. Uh, I mean, and then oh man, it's like God. Then this happens, and I'm just like sad because you forget that. They brought Drew McIntyre and Jinder Mahal, or they, Jinder Mahal, they brought Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler together on Raw. They haven't really utilized them, And they're putting him in tag matches versus Heath, Slater, and Rhino? It's lame, man. Those dudes were top-tier dudes. Now they're at the middle of the card and actually going lower. I don't like it. All right. Uh, Elias versus Bobby Roode. Bobby Roode wins. A uh, quick match, but I just... R- Monday Night Rollins beats Mojo Raleigh, the Hardys, and Hardy and Wyatt beating on uh, Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel, former Taraj. Uh qualifying match to determine who's going to win uh, and get into Money in the Bank. Finn Balor wins, but Jinder comes in and beats the ever-loving fuck out of Roman. Um... Well, I mean, really, he just tripped him, but he helped to get Roman the shit kicked out of him, and then F- Finn Balor wins the match. So, uh, you know, Monday Night Raw was all right, but I don't know where they I don't. I don't know what their end game is here, and it's kind of interesting when you look at this. I mean. I don't really know if we can comment that far on it, folks. We'll be off for a bit here, so I don't want to give you guys too much misinformation. But just say, Money in the Bank, keep your eyes peeled for it. It's going to be coming to you June 17th from Allstate Arena in Rosemont, Illinois. Uh, There's an NXT TakeOver Chicago event happening the night prior. So keep your eyes peeled on that as well. Uh, Could be an interesting card. One thing to note, Brock Lesnar will not be at Money in the Bank So this leads me to kind of the the send-off thought for the season. And this is what the problem is with current professional wrestling and what we have called the Brock Lesnar problem. WWE went out and they took a guy like Brock Lesnar who they had gambled on and built up, who left, 2005, uh, or 2004, I'm sorry, excuse me, Lesnar leaves in 2004. He's gone for like what 12 years, comes back in 2013, I think. Um or some I was somewhere somewhere around there. Anyways, so Lesnar comes back and then it was kind of like, okay, he did the Triple H feud, he did the Cena feud, he did a couple things here and there, and then he gets the title. He had the feud with Goldberg. He you know, the title gets taken from him by Roman slash uh this is in no particular order. Roman slash Rollins and then You know, all over the place, but then you put the belt back on him after the thing with Taker. You've fucking had him hold the title for a year where he's hardly been on TV, hardly used, hardly showed up. And now you have a Brock Lesnar problem where everybody's more concerned if or if not he's going to show up that it makes your card diminished. The same thing with Ronda Rousey. You've got these big ass named stars. But you're not using them, or you're making it to where their contracts are not that, you don't have that many appearances. And it's creating drama, because why the fuck should I give a fuck that Brock Lesnar is the universal champion when he doesn't even fucking hardly defend it? And when he defends it, it's against the same one fucking guy in the same boring fucking match that we've had a million fucking times. I'm not a fan of it. Maybe this is... Our random low light reel. Hmm? We've done random highlights all season here on Journey Into Wrestling. Maybe I can highlight how low Lesnar is to me right now. Because while Lesnar's a machine, he's brutal, he's a brute force, he's crazy strong and bad as hell and batshit crazy and what have you. Him not being on TV hurts the title. Him not defending that title hurts the title. Him claiming to be the greatest, reigning, defending, undisputed, blah, 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 but not actually doing anything hurts the title. It hurts the business. It hurts wrestling as a whole. Because it's saying if you're a big star outside of wrestling, but you're athletic enough, you could come in here and take the fucking house and run with it. And yeah, Lesnar, big old boy, has a great history in wrestling, rich history in professional wrestling, debuting in 2002, you know and had a lot he did in that two years that he first wrestled, but he now he's back. And now it's like, for him it's only about money, and he doesn't really care about the product? So I'm like, why the fuck are you still wrestling? Because it seems like Lesnar would most likely only have one more appearance, right? If his appearance at Money in the Bank doesn't happen, which is what it seems like, Well, it's interesting because that would make his other appearance probably only being Extreme Rules in July in Pittsburgh. Um, A lot of people have reported that his contract does not last through SummerSlam. So maybe Lesnar's out the door before then. But who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Anyways, folks, before we get out of here, I just want to thank you guys so much for listening to us. I thought this was a very fun second season of Journey into Wrestling. There's a lot of things coming in the third season, and uh, yes, we will be back. Yes, we will be better than ever, and yes, there's a lot of cool stuff that we are intending on doing. Hopefully, we will have Brando uh, in tow with us when that happens, but we'll just have to wait and see. So, what does that mean? Well, it means right now, I'm getting ready to sign off. You're going to hear... Journey of the Wrestling for the last time this season. Uh, before we get to SummerSlam, we'll be back. You'll see our new logo drop probably a little bit shortly before that, which will actually probably drop in July. We'll probably announce all the logo announcements in July. We've got a lot of stuff that's launching and changing in the network, so you guys will be privy to that here. Anyways, I want to thank Brando so much for coming and being a part of this season with me. Only doing two episodes without him is pretty damn good. Uh, I think the first season he did two episodes without me, so I feel like we're pretty balanced now. Uh, But I want to say thanks to everybody who's checked this out. It has been so much fun, you guys. Uh, As always, for Journey Into Wrestling, I am your host, Nate. We will see you guys later. And as always... It's clobberin' time.